Uh, what can you add after that, right? Well, God's word being uh, displayed in our lives. Uh, in case you have not yet realized, we are starting a new series this morning. I wonder in all the years of experience that we have living on this earth, living with different situations, I wonder how do you handle trials? A friend contacted us this week uh, with the terrible news that he and his wife lost their preborn baby to a heart surgery gone wrong. And they're trying to understand the goodness of God in it. Another pastor friend, uh, almost retired, just posted this week that his 35-year-old daughter passed away. How should he and his wife deal with the grief? What if you were deliberately passed over for a promotion because you had been outwardly a Christian inviting people to our Easter service in the next couple weeks? How would you handle that trial? I remember being told that I was going to be fired from my job while I was in seminary because I shared the gospel with a client who got offended. How should I have handled it? What about your friend uninviting you to their wedding because you were a faithful Christian friend to them and they just wanted to continue to sin more? How do you handle the loss of that friendship? I remember being thrown against uh, the lockers in the guy's locker room in, in middle school because I was a Christian on my basketball team. How should I have handled that trial? What if you've been physically abused and taken advantage of? How do you begin to handle that trial in life? Right? Sometimes we experience heartache because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes we've been sinned against. Sometimes being Christian puts targets on our backs. It's actually not uncommon for Christians in the world today or even throughout history to be persecuted for their faith. Thankfully, God is not silent about it and gives us specific hope of how we should respond. And so this morning, we are actually starting a series this week that addresses the Christian life even in the midst of suffering. And so we're going to be starting the letter of 1 Peter together this morning. Let me pray for us before we, before we dive in any further. Lord, we ask because we know that trials are not unusual, that suffering is not unusual. Lord, we ask that while each of us face different trials and uh, different hardships, Lord, we all know what heartache feels like. We know what fear feels like. We know the temptation to shrink back feels like. And so, Lord, we are thankful for your word that helps us otherwise. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be at work in our hearts as we read your word today, that we would see all of these things 
as temporary, that we would see our salvation in you as permanent, and that we would therefore stand firm in the midst of it. So Lord, help us today as we open up your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to 1 Peter. It's one of those small letters at the end of the Bible in the New Testament. It's easy to, if you have fat fingers like me, it's easy to just skip right over that thing. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay too. Inside your sermon notes, there's a QR code that you can scan and the Bible will come right up on your phone and you can, even if you have bad eyesight, I think that's one of the good things about a digital Bible is that you can zoom into whatever large print you want, okay? And so you can get it on your phone. You can do it by having a Bible uh, open. But, but we are actually going through the entire letter this morning where I'm going to just read the letter to us. But I want to give us just a little bit of an overview of First Peter. And, and we, I think we need to see first that Peter, it's not a letter to Peter, it's actually a letter from Peter. Peter was one of the original 12 disciples. He was an apostle who saw the bodily resurrected Jesus from the dead with his own eyes. Peter was one of the first disciples, if you remember, uh, in the Gospels that Jesus chose and called, formerly being a fisherman. Jesus told Peter that he would make Peter into a fisher of men from Matthew 4, if you remember that. If you know much about Peter, you know that uh, he had a way in, in, in the New Testament of sticking his foot in the mouth, in his own mouth, by, by being outspoken more than he was often correct. So remember, Peter was the one who wanted to know um, how many times he had to forgive his brother if his brother sinned against him. And that was that passage that Jesus said, when Peter's like, do I have to forgive him seven times? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Peter was the one who said that Jesus should not go to the cross. And so Jesus actually said, get behind me, for you are not following the things of God. Jesus rebuked him. Peter is the one who promised Jesus that he would never deny Jesus, and yet he did it three times that night that Jesus was arrested. Jesus even or not Jesus, sorry, Peter even had a, an unhelpful view of, of devotion to Jesus because if you remember the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter was willing to kill for Jesus, but he was not willing to be killed for Jesus. And yet, Peter was also the first one recorded as recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah from God. Peter was part of the inner circle of the three disciples who were closest to Jesus. He went on to the mountain to witness Jesus' transfiguration in Matthew 17. Peter was then reinstated after Jesus' resurrection on the seaside after his denial. Peter was the one who preached the famous sermon of Jesus' resurrection and the, the call to follow in the book of Acts at Pentecost where 3,000 souls were saved and baptized and joined the church. Peter's the one who was imprisoned for his faith in Jesus and then was rescued out, if you remember that, in the book of Acts. And so Peter authored the letter of 1 Peter. And from what we know, Peter wrote two letters that we have in the Bible, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. 
And so 1 Peter was written by Peter uh, during the time of Peter's life. I know that seems crazy to think about. Um, it, I think it was during the reign of Nero over Rome sometime in the 60s AD, but before the specific onset of Nero's persecution of, of Christians. So if you remember that there was a time when, when Nero uh, uh, would dip Christians in wax and use them as human candles to light his gardens, I think this was before that time, okay? Um, Peter is, uh, later in 1 Peter 5, Peter mentions Babylon, which is most certain, uh, almost certainly Rome. And so we think that Peter wrote the letter while he was in Rome. And the audience, the recipients of this letter are churches in Asia Minor uh, or the country of Turkey today. Um, and uh, it was delivered, this letter was delivered by um, a faithful brother named Sylvanus. And the purpose of this letter, the, the original recipients were facing suffering and persecution for their faith. And, and so the purpose is to encourage believers to stand fast while they endure suffering and distress in this present evil age. The purpose is to strengthen the readers in, in the now of their suffering and persecution by assuring them that the future glory that they will experience in the gospel <clears throat> will transform their present suffering uh, as their present situation transforms even from their past. And so they're encouraged to persevere, knowing that a great reward will be theirs of salvation. So the outline of, of 1 Peter is pretty simple. There is an introduction uh, there is a call to salvation as exiles. There is a call to live as foreigners in a world in a way that brings God glory. There's the call to continue to persevere in suffering. And then there is a conclusion where he then summarizes everything that he had written to them. And as is true of every sermon series as we go through a book of the Bible, we have a key verse to memorize. And I'll just warn you, I've already gotten some pushback, probably rightfully so. It's a little bit long, but I think it is so helpful for us. And so our key verse that we're going to work on uh, is 1 Peter 5.10. Uh, and that will be here on the screens here. And it, and it says this. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What great hope there is. And so what we're going to do now is we are going to read the letter of 1 Peter. We're going to read it. Uh, because oftentimes we, we see the trees, but we miss the forest. That's what we don't want to do this morning. We want to look at the forest, and then we're going to start looking at the individual trees. And so uh, the, the, um, the first entire book of 1 Peter will be on the slide, so you can look up at the screen. You can look in your Bible. You can look on your phone through the QR code. But let, us, let me read and, and have you follow along in the letter of 1 Peter. And he, Peter begins it like this. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, <clears throat> though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart 
since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, though or through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. 
For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. First Peter 3 says this likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct do not let your adorning be external the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and seek good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, 
having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. First Peter 4 says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not want to join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. 
Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome for those, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. First Peter 5 says this, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but, by, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love, peace, to all of you who are in Christ. So how do we handle trials? By believing the true grace of God in Christ, we stand firm. Because after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you we are not yet home as christians 
but one day we will be. And so until that time, let us stand firm. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are often grieved by various trials, and yet, Lord, even with that, we can rejoice, not because of the trial, but because of your great mercy, you have caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We can rejoice because you have given us an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading and it is kept in heaven for us by your power who is guarding us through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so Lord, because of that, help us to rejoice. And yet, even in our various trials, Lord, help us prepare our lives to live out the truth of the gospel, that our hope is not today or tomorrow, but that we await our home to our heavenly country. And so God, help us to be faithful exiles. Help us to be faithful sojourners. Help us to stand firm even in trials, resting upon the grace of Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that you would make us into a church like that, prepared for the days ahead. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.